I just need to give you a quick warning that the following podcast does touch on trauma and sexual abuse, and there may be some bad language as well. So take care with your listening, please. No, my hooky, my to it's personal with me and Nikamua. Uh, this is a podcast where I get personal with really, really, really interesting people. Know what I'm saying? We are sometimes domestically our own worst enemy in terms of our progress. If people around the world, like him and others, and Disney, can see the value in uh, revitalising a beautiful indigenous language, then why can't we? And that's a challenge that we need to give to our own people here. Now, I've been through my share of trauma, believe me. And I fully believe the most interesting and inspiring people have often been broken and had to rebuild. Chelsea Winstanley, oh, she's a sis, has rebuilt many times over. She's an award-winning producer and the first Indigenous film producer to be nominated for an Academy Award. You go, girl. She's also just super cool. Okay, so what I want to know, what what are you working on right now? What's your mahi in this pre- precise time? So I'm um, finishing a documentary that I came home to make in 2020. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, but storytelling needs to take the time it takes. So this has been good for me because I have to get back into that space, which I love. That's another thing I've actually really enjoyed about coming home is returning to the things that I want to do and be in charge of and in charge of creatively. What's the documentary about? Well, I came home in 2020. There was an amazing doc, um, exhibition uh, up at the Auckland City Art Gallery, Toyo Tamaki, called Toy Tu Toy Order. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a takeover of contemporary Māori art in that space. That. And that that place has never held and given so much mana to contemporary Māori art before. So for me, it was curated by Māori. It was all Māori. It was just like, wow, what a celebration. So I wanted to come home and document that, the process behind the scenes and, and how you put something like that together, follow some of the artists that were making some, some of the work. Amazing. And then all that shit went down. Oh, well, the curator of the show, he resigned. There was a bit of fuffi going on. Why? I mean, well, it's just a classic, you know, that institution in and of itself is a very colonial institution, like most of those art institutions Much like are. The Crown and, and, and um, the Beehive and the government. It, and, look at all those places, yeah. you know, and they, and they exist for, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why that place even came to being, Governor Gray thought they were like spaces that could basically, um, you know, to anglicise this part of the world. Like literally those are his kind of words. Mm -hmm. And they did a fucking great job at it, you know. And Mm -hmm. and the process of colonisation has done exactly what it was meant to do. Disenfranchise, Māori, mm-hmm, take away yep. the rangatiratanga, all those things. And, I mean, it's just resurfacing all the time. And we have a treaty because it was a, a founding document to create a partnership and a relationship. And the fact that we have to keep going back and referring to that is because there's been breaches of it. Yeah. Just go back and listen to the amazing corridor of Moana Jackson to just have a very, um, you know, his delivery is so peaceful and considered. Mm-hmm. And I get a bit racked up. I do too. You know, and so you're like, ah, so then we're considered to be, oh, you crazy Maoris, like. Yeah. So stop being so bloody emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have, there's legitimate grounds to be pissed off right now. You know? I agree. And with this current government, 
we are going to possibly regress into just a really dire situation. So it's important that we're just super vigilant, keep pushing, be unapologetically proud to be Māori, kōrero Māori, just mm-hmm. celebrate being Māori because it's beautiful. So um, you started Matewa, named after your daughter. Well, Is it? not really, and she probably thinks that, like, sees the posters over with her name at Matewa. So, yeah. mm-hmm. That's me. Um, <laughs> Matewa, she has the uh, name of her grandmother, and she, she has both of our grandmothers, actually. Matewa and Kiritapu is my grandmother, and Matewa is her dad's mother. Okay. Uh, grandmother, sorry. So she has a combination of both our names. And then when Tweety and I got together to back in 2016, when we were talking about doing Wainareo Māori, yeah. we needed a name for the company. Um, I don't know, when you're coming up with a name, you just kind of put a few things out there. And, and that we stuck. Started, yeah, it stuck. My question to you is, why Disney? Why, why translating Disney instead of like, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio movie or a da-da-da-da-da movie or a bit of a movie. Yeah. Animation. (laughs) Animation is the easiest. Well, it's it's easier than live action because it's really hard to get the... I know, because when I watch Korean movies, it's like... And it can just throw you out, eh? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, not just that. I mean, animation is is the way in which to tell the easiest story in in, um, another language because you're not always focused so much eh, on the wahangu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you, the other thing about Disney is why not? Like I think for if we want to make an impact or a change with our language in this country, um, we need to go to and work with the biggest global giant and that's what of the entertainment did. industry. So you and Tweety yeah. went over there and went into the office of Disney <laughs> and were like, hey, bros, can we get out at this translator into Māori We had a conversation first with... Um, <laughs> with the people that run the international voices, because Disney is a massive machine. They are just huge, and there's so many different divisions. So we had a phone call with the person who kind of, he's not there anymore, but he ran um, basically international voices. So you can imagine there's you know many, many voices that they do around the world. At the time, they didn't really think that we were kind of probably serious or, or really had a plan or nothing. And we actually didn't really have too much of a plan. We didn't know what the <laughs> hell we were doing. Yeah. We just, one night we were um, having dinner and we just, you know, got out those chalk pen things and mm-hmm. wrote on the windows. We were like, what would it look like if we wanted to contribute? What kind of con- contribution could we make towards te reo Māori for our kids, for our mokopuna, for our babies in the future, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And what do we do in our lives daily that we could and enhance that so okay we work in this industry why not what would it look like if we were to translate if we were to um just take product in in, in our sphere and what we do and put that into te Māori and put it in public places because mm-hmm. i think that's the problem uh, one of the things we face in challenge is that we're always kind of pigeonholed you know and yep. i love whakata maori and i love all the things that we have in in our spaces for us yeah but it means we're also uh, it's easy for non-maori to say oh there you go you have your thing over there your and not festival. to engage yeah whereas we were like nah we need to be in big public spaces and the way we can get our product into big public spaces is to go into cinema. So how do we do this? We work with people like Disney because everyone loves a Disney film. Oh, well, not gosh, everyone. Yes. But our babies, they just intrinsically love that our product. Our kids watch them for, like watch e- them. They every love day. The singing. Yep. It's perfect. It's a whānau focus film too. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of their product is yep. whānau. So yeah, that's, yeah. again, how you capture intergenerational change with language. You have to capture many different um, reanga, different generations. So we're like, perfect, ping, 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 let's go for them. Um, 
the way we got into the Disney space is, well, we knew what we wanted to do. Let's attack them first, not attack them. But Moana had just come out as well. So it was like, perfect. It's a Pacific story. Maui, we share all these things. Like, this would be the perfect one to go out with. Um, At the time, Taika was editing Thor. So he's on the Disney lot. I said to him, give me the person who can, I don't know, I need to make a connection with Disney Moana. This is what 20 and I are thinking of doing. He didn't really have anyone we could specifically talk to, but gave us like the intern of um, (laughs) someone else. She was a young Hawaiian woman, Kaleko. Um, So then I started talking to Kaleko and I was like, Kaleko, we want to translate Moana into our indigenous language. Who can we start talking to? She put us on to Oznat, who was one of the producers, who then put us on to Rick. Mean. The guy in charge of international voices. Yeah. So at that point, we're talking to Rick, and he's like asking all these kind of questions. We'd never done reversioning before. We didn't even know what the hell we were talking about. Um, the budget, all the things. Yeah, 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 we've got the money. Had no money. We had nothing. But we were just winging our way because all we needed was give us the material. We'll work it out later. To the point where... And bless Larry Pa from uh, Tamangai Pahu, because yeah. if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have got this over the line either. We just pitched it to him. He knew what we were trying to do. He knew the reasons why. And he was like, we, we'll, we'll make this work. They gave you the money to... Not all of it. Like, he he went around. We got some money from Tapunu Kōkiri and Tōtō Fiti Te Reo Māori. So wow, those three agencies okay. supported us in that first project to do Moana Reo Māori. For not much money, to be fair, right? So a whole lot of love went into that project. Okay. Um we didn't have the money yet, and so I get on a plane and go to L.A. because um, we decide to move over there at that point, take the kids over. Yeah. And um, so they were like, yeah, yeah, Chelsea, come come into um, this, you know, in the studio and we'll, we'll talk about the project. We're like, okay, sweet, but we're already translating, so fucking hell. We're already <laughs> like, thinking we've got the gig. Yeah. And so I walk into this, into the uh, Disney studio lot, um, just thinking it was probably going to be me, Rick, and one another. Oh, my shit. He took the bed. This is like a whole big boardroom table with oh about gosh. 10 people. And I'm like, woo! And then just basically wing, winged it, P- presented a kind of budget, which they had a couple of questions yeah. on. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to, you know, answer them as best as I could. And then from that and the pitch document, then they were like, Oh, no, this sounds great. Okay. Wow. Like, they honestly... Well, what do they have to do? Like, do they put in money? Do they put in um, no, nothing. advertising? They just... Give, Absolute. No, I just, shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say nothing. Well, they That's give you the, the, the... They the, allowed the us? Yes. They allowed us yeah. to do it. We don't own anything, and that was never our... Um, it was never our objective to try and make big bucks out of this. And I think that's the biggest thing you can ever do in anything you do in life. Whatever your intention is from the beginning, maintain that all the way through. Yeah. So that so that the product, whatever you end up making, is always true to that initial intention. Yeah. We didn't do this to make heaps of bucks. It was literally to put our language in the biggest spaces we possibly could to say we are here now babies deserve to go to the cinema mm-hmm. and hear their language. And you've done it. Because no one was providing that for them. No. No, not at all. So, yeah, we did that. And then we came back a few years later and said, you know, it was such a success. And we gave them a little wrap-up document and kind of thing. And everyone was coming to us at that point going, we want more, we want more. And so we were like, fuck it, let's see if we can get more. And so another conversation. And and um, we were like, this time we'd like to do some more and more maybe current films. Yeah. More films that, that our babies are like, into now or a bit of a mix we had a bit of a plan we wanted to do different mitten or things like that different dialects yeah and you know bless them america they were like 
oh my god, you Marys know what you're doing. <laughs> Like, cause they they were blown away by <laughs> the do. quality, the caliber, the Good. production values, everything. They had no idea yeah. of what Tweedy and Rob and Silo and Petty were, were going to deliver. And they've just honestly, every time we send through the next, you know, auditions or because they they do still maintain they have to sign off the yeah. final talent. Yeah, but they're just blown away. They they honestly can't believe it. So what have you done so far, uh, Coco? So we, we've done Moana, yep. Lion King, Frozen, Coco, and we'll Coco. do Encanto next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how proud do you feel for having this achievement? Because it's huge. It's huge for, for Te Ao Māori. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Tweed and I talk about it, and it's kind of the, the impact you don't really see immediately, but you'll see after. Mm-hmm. And also when you're in the thick of it too, you're just like... Phew, you're doing it, but um, it's when the babies are just singing. Oh, it's when kids think that that Lion King was always in Te Reo Māori because yep. why would they know anything else? Yep. It's when you can get Sir Alton John to agree to let you voice over the uh, you know the end credit song. Can you can feel, you the, feel love the love tonight? tonight? Um, no other language in the world has ever done that. So when we approached Disney, we were like, hey, there's one track missing, like the stems we need for the, the final end credit song. And they were like... <laughs> that's Elton oh, Johnson. They were like, oh, no, 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 that, that's, you know, OV, original voice. Elton has that on every single um, language around the world. Oh, wow. We were like, what? Shit, no, because we have already cast for that. You know, we'd already cast Stan. We were like, we already had it. We already knew what we were going to do. Wow. We are like, nah, that doesn't work. We can't have this beautiful film all in Te Reo Māori and then all of a sudden have to hear Elton. I mean, bless, we love you, Elton. We love but, uh, uh, That would just be uh, <laughs> kind of a bit weird. So we were like, um, cool, thanks, Disney, and then just went about going going about our own way and getting in touch with him and doing a little mihi to him yep. video, showing him what we were doing, explaining yep. wh- what the, the kaupapa was, and... Um, we got it over the line. So it just goes to show, you know, we are sometimes domestically our own worst enemy in terms of our progress. Mm-hmm. If people around the world like him and others and Disney can see the value in uh, revitalizing a beautiful indigenous language, then why can't we? And that's a challenge that we need to give to our own people here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Pākehā Mā, Māori Mā, whoever it might be that have some kind of adverse reaction to having two languages here. Well, you're shoving it's, it down our throat, that's why. Oh, apparently. Um, <coughs> Chelsea, honest, I want to ask you about your upbringing. Well, no, no, more like the... To, you, you had a baby at a young age, even though 21's not that young, is it? Well, at 20, I was like 10 days shy of my 21st. Had oh, half man, a can so of beer, I think, for my 21st. Jesus. Woo! But you want to start there because, you know, you've you've made it from there, being a solo mum, mm. um, to now having a, an a amazing production company, beautiful children, a successful life. Uh, you know, you're on the benefit. The DPB, they used to... Yeah. DPB, yep, they used DPB, to call it. My yep. mum was on the DPB too. Yep. Every Tuesday we'd walk to the supermarket and, and she'd get her money out and we'd get our groceries and then we, if it was a, a flash week, we'd taxi home. Because we were poor. We couldn't afford chocolate. Yep. We couldn't afford nothing. Remember at Woolworths they used to have free buns and fruit? 
So you'd get the the bump. I thought that was only a recent Auckland thing or something. I only no, saw in that. Christchurch they used to, oh. and we'd I'd be like, wow, get those bums no. in my because it's I like they're free. Out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, you're on the DPB. Um, <laughs> Having a whore of a time. Having a whore of the time. But you yeah. you were determined to study. Yeah. To study your, what was what were you studying? Uh, um, well, me and another solo mum um, yeah. in the Mount, who I knew from growing up, we just both knew that we just wanted to, I suppose when you have kids, you're like, I have an, in, you know, what Medita says, when you have children, you have an investment in the future. <sighs> yes. <sighs> yes. So... You know, and also I didn't want to. It's a humiliating space to be in that DPB. You feel heaps of fuckama shame mm-hmm. that you're, um, you know, taking taxpayers' money so you can feed your kid or well, dog bludging or dog bludging or whatever it is, eh? Yeah. And that's not a good space to be in. It's not a. It, it's not the right motivation for you to want to go back and study. Yeah. For you, for you to feel shame. Um, you should. It should be more like, oh, I want to further my education, or and it was. I wanted to build a life for my son, I suppose, or you know. How did so? How did you get out of it? Did you just you and your mate just head down? So, cause, so she was a solo mum too. So we were both like solo mums living together, basically lilies, which you could yeah, had out. I was like, so, so yeah, solo mums living together. All right, <laughs> wink, had, wink, nudge, nudge. She had two boys. I had my little one. They were all just little things, and we'd take our babies off to the kohanga before mm-hmm. uni, and we were both studying communications. Yeah, and then I had a shitty car accident because I was, that was trying. My to, next question. Oh yeah, well, so I didn't even finish out that year because I was trying to come back to. So I grew up in the mount. My whanau live in a like well where I come from. My Maori. Papa is a little place called Tapuna. So I would try and drive over the Kaimais, which is from Hamilton to basically home, because I wanted to do Te Reo Māori. And I didn't want to just learn it at Waikato University. I thought, I know, I want to go home and learn it. And so they were having it in the Hauora Centre. So I was coming over the Kaimais during the week, and it's pretty icy and dicey during the winter months. Anyway, I just far out. I had a car accident, lost control of the car, smashed everything up, and I was out of uni out of action learned how, had to like learn how to walk again all the things broken legs broken face broken everything yeah wow. yeah, yeah do you have scars on your face still yeah under my mouth i'd smashed that broken nose have you got the... false teeth no you say kept all your teeth kept all my teeth yeah what was it like having to walk again painful um yeah spent maybe like a month in hospital i think wow yeah, so it was an interesting time because my parents then had to like rally together. You know, my my actual parents had been separated and divorced forever and all of a sudden they were having to come together and live in the same house. Fuck. Oh, to look after you. <laughs> Where my baby? Because my oh. boy was only two. Wow. So they really had to help out. It's hilarious when I think about it now, you know. Well, they did it for you because they love you. Oh. Are you the Can only... mum and dad. Are you no. the only child? Or? No, I have an older brother, older sister. Oh, so only three? Yeah. Only three. Only three. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, my mum lost a baby, oh, actually, in between. Well, I don't, I don't know for her. Yeah. I don't know if your mother's like this, or, but our, my mum um, like kept heaps of her trauma to herself, eh, you know? And I think, and when you do become a mother and you think, fuck, if I had lost a baby, her baby was a couple months old and had a heart defect and just oh. like devastating, eh? But she just kind of, I don't know, that generation just held on to their mum eye so hard. You had to. 
you were forced to mask yeah. your mamai. Yeah. So you, you, you're studying uh, communications. What do, What's communications? Well, because I wanted to make documentaries. Okay. That's so that was, of, your, that was your passion? Yeah. Okay. And I got my first job out of uni with um, Rhonda Kite and Libby Hakaraya. At, Yay! At, at, yeah, at um, Kiwa. So you get your first gig and yep. then you just go, you go for, shoot for the stars. Well, because it was an affirmation too, like seeing two Māori women owning their own business and producing content yep. that was really about uplifting and celebrating Māori or, or challenging and dealing with issues to our Māori. So for me, I was like, oh, you can um, be successful in this space mm-hmm. and own your own stories. And it was great because I got to just keep doing the directing stuff, which is really what I liked to do and wanted to do. And then Libby gets hapu and we need a producer. So I kind of stepped into that ah, role. Okay. Unwillingly, well, I didn't really know what it was or, or how to do it, so just kind of learnt along the way. I mean, great. You know, Fakata Māori had just started too, so all these opportunities for a lot of us to just test the waters, have a go, have a tutu, um, make content. We were making this really cool little art series called Kitiaranui, which was just little stories, like eight-minute profiles on Māori artists around the country, like... F- awesome that's really cool like what an archive to make you so know? that's your that's kind of like your ladder eh yeah your ladder to some of the bigger things that you're working on you worked on wadu yep yep i worked on wadu yes as a as a director which was really nice to come back again into that space because i yep. spent a lot of time then in the producing world and um i don't i i mean i got a little bit over it by the time i and i'm not done with it but i've learned a lot of good stuff yep. from it and I think it's probably, hopefully, only going to make me a better director because I know what's involved in making something. And that's your passion, directing. Yeah, you know, if I'm really, to be super honest, and sometimes it's really hard to be honest in that space because it's like, fuck, I'm putting myself out there. You always go, oh, maybe, hey. Yeah, or um, everything, you know, when you're directing something, it's all on you. Yeah. There's nothing to fall back on or... Um, as a producer, you're there to total the whole project, and yeah. um, you, you're just doing your bit to make sure it can come to fruition. And it's a, it's a it's a lot because you're you're involved in something often from the very beginning to the very end, and you're kind of carrying and making sure it gets delivered. Can I ask you a bit of a personal question, mm. in the sense of because I want to understand your. Uh, you know, you're doing this mahi. You're you're loving it, proud. Then you have another baby, and then you have another baby, and that Round slows you down. Two, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to have a back seat, yeah, while your partner, yeah, is doing his thing, yeah. And you're like, oh well, okay. Like mm. if that was me, I don't. I mean, of course, we are nurturers. When we have our babies, we're nurturers. We want to stay home with our babies. We yeah. want to slow down, but we also want to do our mahi. Yeah. Like, yeah. how was that for you in your heart? Like, were you were you okay with it? Did no. it sit okay with you, or were you just like, oh, for f- fuck's sakes, move over? Um, yeah. Like to be really brutally honest, I probably started forming a little bit of regret at that point mm-hmm. oh not regret that's not fair because I don't regret having my children no. um probably a little bit of resentment mm-hmm. at that moment because um you know you don't make something you don't make a human being on your own well said um <laughs> therefore you shouldn't have to raise the human being on your own either yeah um 
So when that kind of little seed of resentment was starting to form, I want to be really honest and own my participation in that Mm -hmm. and maybe the um, unravelling of our relationship because I didn't want to um, be the dutiful wife and race over to the Gold Coast where he was making Thor and sit in an apartment all day long fucking twiddling my thumbs bring the while kids he was out. on set and bring, bring the, the kids, kids out for their sh- uh, show and tell and yeah. tuck them back in. Yep. And, I mean, lots of other wives mm-hmm. do that yep. and, you know, in other departments and they'll dutifully do that thing. But I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. To go to the Gold Coast, I'm sorry, that place is you go girl. anyway. Yeah, no, it smells. Um, smells like <laughs> And just do nothing. You know, and I knew, and also that would mean I have to take my babies out of kohanga reo, mm-hmm. and that to me was really important. So I said, I'm not going to do that, but we'll come over and visit. That probably was the beginning of the unravelling. Yeah. Because I wasn't that pandering, dutiful, get on my knees and whatever you want. Someone <laughs> else was, though. Um, <laughs> we but, all know guilt. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but I mean, I didn't fucking know any of that until many, many years later. Yeah. So, so you're. Oh, so a little bit of like, um, and probably my stubbornness in that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not because I'm I'm not that. I am my own person, and I want to do my own things. And I'm glad I I actually did because I did what while all that was happening. Yeah. Um. I. Yep, I did Medita's film with yep. Hippy and Cliff, which was again um, that's true to me. That's that those projects and those um, that type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's me. Yep. That's got nothing to do with what was going on. That's you, your other things. Yeah, and <laughs> so and 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 thank my tupuna, whatever, whoever was kind of looking after me in that moment, because I think you know. I probably needed that. I needed to focus on my own stuff because it reaffirmed for me that I can do that. I don't need anyone else for me to be able to be happy in control or do what I want to do in the spaces that I love doing. That's what I realised. You don't need need a partner. You don't need someone next to you. You can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. It's nice to have someone who can support you and yeah. just like pick up the kids when you're running over <laughs> yep those things or just to go you got this or you know like I'm so proud of you but there was never any of that there's no interest in, in what I wanted to be doing so that said volumes really yeah yeah mm. well you know how oh god I want to say so much <laughs> shit Chelsea <laughs> All I can Should we save that for the book? Yeah. Oh, are you going to do a book? Nah, fuck, I don't know. Basically, you were married to someone who didn't support you and your wants and needs. Um, if we may be so bold. I think I was married to someone who uh, really was just on their own buzz. Right. And, like tunnel vision, for whatever reasons, you know. Um, and we're all on our own journey as far as I'm yep. concerned. So yeah. I'm I'm 
what I to help me get me through on a daily basis. I just remind myself I'm not responsible for what anybody does. I'm only responsible for the way in which I react yep. to that. And um, so I, I, I therefore to try not take anything too personally because at the time you just get stuck in that space. Yeah. I know, I know um, all about that that victim. Yeah, but it's not even you're a victim. You're just angry with what they've done to you. It is that, but I think as time goes by, you're actually angry at yourself for not um, believing that you deserved better. Yeah, or standing up for yourself. Yep, because I remember having the most incredible lunch with this amazing woman in New York a few years ago. And we were just talking about things that you've endured and all the things. And she was talking about her childhood and da 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 da. And she said, you know what I've realised? She was, you know, reaching 70. She was like, what I think I've done, based on, you know, my own childhood trauma, and I believe that to a lot of our stuff, the way we um, present ourselves in the world, the way we just navigate space, comes comes from a lot of childhood trauma. And so she was saying, you know, what I've realised is, so long as what I was doing wasn't as bad as that, the childhood trauma, um, it, it was okay. And what I've realised is I was just upgrading my abuse. And I was mm. like, fuck, penny drop. Oh, my God. So long as for me in my situation, um, so long as it, what I was putting myself through wasn't as bad as the childhood rape, then it basically... I could handle it. But what I didn't realise what I was doing was just upgrading the abuse. Wow. That's like some multi-level parallel shit right there. Yeah. And so it's a good reminder that, you know, you can change that narrative at any point as well. Mm. And I read, um, you know, because you do talk about being sexually abused when you were younger, like child or teenage or? Child, yeah. And a lot of people keep th- those things to themselves mm. because of they feel shame yeah, yeah. or, you know, they think they're disgusting. Yep. They haven't learned to forgive themselves mm-hmm. yet for letting it happen. Mm. And why do you speak out? What's your what's your kaupapa? What's your, like, is it just the truth? You just want to get the truth out. That too, and it's really damaging, I think. But also f- learning to forgive yourself. Because I think if you form a basis of who you are based on that, based on, um, you know, I've done heaps of work on this. Um, if, if, you, if you're forming the basis of who you are based on uh, being a, a sexual, sexualized uh, person mm. to um, men, if you like, and then that's all you are. That's all you are. Because in your childhood, in your childlike mind, that's all you are, an object of desire, and then that's your almost your currency. It becomes your currency because no one's telling you that you're smart. No one's telling you that you're intelligent or anything else. You're just a thing to be used and essentially abused. Poked and prodded. Yep, and all the things. So then that's what you form is your sense of self-worth. That's all you are. Yeah. So you have to unravel that and unpack that throughout your life. And you might make some really shitty mis- mistakes and decisions based on that if that's what you think you are. So... You have to then go through your life f- forgiving yourself for maybe situations you've put yourself in. Like you've put, I've put myself in harm, in harm's way. Yep. And I've had to then go back throughout my life and not feel disgusted and gross about those choices I made, but forgive myself because they're based on things that I grew up thinking that's all I was worth. But how dare they 
make us go through so much shit in our adulthood? How dare yeah. they get that power <laughs> yeah. over us yeah. where we have to spend hours and hours <laughs> de-traumatizing <laughs> ourselves and learning to love ourselves? Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's, it's quite crazy. It's almost like colonization. Like it puts you on pause. Yeah. You know, it's you, like you're in that trauma state. You are like, still five. Yeah. You've still got the mind of a five-year-old. Yeah. Isn't it? I'm so glad that you talk about it because there's so many people who will hear that and go, oh, God, that's what happened to me and I can't believe it and now I have to do my healing. Yeah. My healing. And healing's cool, man. Healing is freedom. Healing um, is freedom. You haven't drunk for four years, five years? Almost six. Have you relapsed? Nah. Wow. I know. I smell it every now and again because I'm just interested. I was like, oh, what does that smell like? <laughs> like red wine or something. You used to love drinking. I used to, yeah. I, I was a happy ass drunk. I loved it. <laughs> I loved so it. Am I. <laughs> I did, honestly. And I loved the feeling and the vibe. But the reason why I stopped is because um, when all the shit was going down in my marriage and it was ending, yeah. the drinking was leading to really unhealthy other habits and other other things, other drugs and all the things. And really? Was, and, yep. And I just knew... Cocaine. Oh, yep, all the things. Um, I knew that in order for me to truly, truly... And stop repeating mistakes. Like, why am I putting myself in harm's way? Why do I not believe that I'm worthy of a much better partner? Or a, or, a, or the, whatever. Whatever it might be. Or, or putting myself first in my career. Or speaking up for myself. Or whatever it might be. So I don't want to do that ever again in my life. I don't want to give my power over to someone else. Again, linking that back to that. childhood trauma. Like, literally giving, giving myself away because I didn't know anything else. So I'm not going to do that anymore. What can I do to ensure that I'm not going to make those mistakes or put myself in harm's way? I knew that drinking was just a catalyst to other things. Mm -hmm. So for me, just stop. Just stop that so I don't have to then be tempted by other things. And it was literally like, I just don't want to keep repeating the same shit. What about for people who are surrounded by alcohol with their whanau members who want to stop drinking? Like, how would you, how would you give them advice to getting the help so that they're not repeating trauma yeah like that's a you know we know we know garage parties yeah we know around the table drinking that's yeah. what, how i was brought up yeah how do you get away from that yeah I, I i think it's like with with anything you've got to really want to do it because hmm. it's so easy to be in those situations again and just oh i'll just have one <laughs> oh, I'll just have one <laughs> or oh, one doesn't really count but then just say to yourself but what does one lead to two bottles for me it's it's I, and, and just back to yeah, hating on bottles. yourself and all the yeah. things like you have to really just want to get out of the, of whatever it is the yuck the mummy the, the thing if you really want to get out of that then so that's what you have to do, do you, you have to give yourself the permission and the power to do it do you think that stopping drinking helped heal you, and then did it help you reclaim your te reo Māori? Because was that the path you were going on? Because you went to Takiuta, you moved back yep. to New Zealand, yep. your kids are in an amazing school, mm. um, they're doing their reo, mm. and then you're like, okay, my turn. To do the reo? Yeah, like... Yeah, because I tried to do night classes and all the things, and my brain just doesn't retain one two-hour class I've tried a week. all of that. Because you have to, and that's... Um, that's for me, that's the truth, and, and for you, that's the truth. For yep. many people, it is. Cause, and even going to Takiura, it was super hard, but 
beautiful environment to be speaking te reo Māori and in that space, you know, like my kids were doing, you were kind of mirroring mm-hmm. a school environment, Monday to Friday, nine to three kind of vibe. Um, but when you're outside of that space, kei hea te wahi haumaru, kei te kōrero Māori, where are the safe spaces that you can go to to speak Māori? And it becomes very clear when you leave that school that this is Te Ao Pākehā. Oh, yeah, definitely. We do not really, as much as we purport overseas and we're like, oh, our race relations, bullshit, or we're bilingual, rubbish. We're not, because we're not supporting people who are wanting to maintain real Māori in public spaces. Slowly but surely, you know, we'll see bilingual signs and things, and now, hello, we have a government that wants to literally reverse all that. What are they so afraid of? I don't understand... And I really have never had a succinct answer to what is the fear of having te reo Māori visible, audible in every space we walk on on this whenua. I just do not understand. Is it the fear of the unknown and also um, just outright racism? Uh, yep. And Wouldn't that just be the answer? Outright racism? Outright racism, yep. And fear that maybe Māori what are going to do what the original settlers did to us, doubt it, we're cooler, man. We're not going to, like, take your shit off you, because we're cooler. We'll give you... We wouldn't do that. We'll give you some Māori earrings for some land. Hey, but don't <laughs> worry, keep, do, keep doing the haka before the rugby overseas in those yeah, English yeah, pubs, yeah. like, oh, uh-huh, come to come again. They might yeah. turn... Imagine if they turn the haka into English. <laughs> Just a bunch of Māori doing English with people. Oh, with your hairy tiki. Like, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> with your hairy tiki. Right. Hairy tiki means um, hairy vagina, by the way, guys, if you <laughs> don't understand uh, Māori. Aroha <laughs> um, Oh, what was it like living in LA? It's a really hard place. How? Like, you see so many homeless people, so many poor people, so many people who ain't living the dream. Like, there's a level of reality in that place that's okay. quite dark. okay. And it's not that nice. So when you go and visit and you see all the glam and the glitz and your Hollywood Boulevard and you're going to some parties and, woohoo, all the people are amazing and da-da-da, that's cool. That's one really small part of it. Um, and not many people even attain that, you know. And then the other level of it is really quite sad and dark and they don't care about their indigenous communities there. Mm. Um, look what happened with uh, Black Lives Matter, you know. Mm. People are getting killed okay, there. Okay, you're not but, selling me this place. Yeah, sorry. I really love LA and I love the Lo- idea of it. Keep loving it, keep loving it because there are pockets that are really cool. I've and lived there from time to time. Yep, well there you go. But I was being wooed by a record company who had millions and who yes. would pick me up in limos yes. and I was staying at five-star hotels and, yes. you know, everyone was smiling lots. Yep. Because like, they were, they were all, all like, we're making so much money out of you, we yeah. could be, this is so great. And you're like, wow, you really like me. I didn't care if they liked me. I just was offered so much cocaine, but I never took it because I didn't do drugs. Okay, cool. And then I eventually caved in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And maybe I have that feeling towards it because also shit went down for me in that place. So I don't have a great memory of it. Alcohol, drugs. Oh, no, the end of my marriage, everything. Okay. Like it was not... It's not a place that I have heaps of really cool, great memories. Yeah. I found pockets of... Fun and pockets of joy, yeah. But it was superseded by some pretty unhappy memories. Mm-hmm. And when I came home, my heart 
was full because this is where I belong. This is the work that I want to do. These are the people that I want to be around and be with. This is where I can make the most impact. I'm not over there. Yeah. That's not my place to make an impact. So that's your dream is is pursuing your passion in directing, have your daughters grow up and tell Māori. Yeah. Um, how is your reo now? Like, are you, when you were doing Takira, was it hard to say, Kiora called Chelsea Tokuingoa? <laughs> Everyone is crying. It is like therapy 101, like, go back to the beginning and just get it all out. Because you're all there feeling shit about yourselves that you don't know Te Reo Māori yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm nearing 50 and I, went there with other mates so it's so good to go with other friends because mm-hmm. you're all just sitting in this crazy trauma together like you, and and it's beautiful you have you know a few young people in there but the majority of the students are like middle aged mm-hmm. and and we're really fucking upset and sad that we don't have our deal that we didn't grow up mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with it um having to find it later and trying to learn it, hear it, understand it, you just feel like a dummy. Like, But because you're going through it all together, you're all just feeling stupid together. So that's fine, and it's you're getting your up. You know, after, like, the first, I think it's the sixth, week six or something, you have to get up and speak Itereo Māori for six minutes, and then and then it gets incrementally gets more and more and more until your final whakapuake, you have to get up and speak for an hour. And does, do you have to listen to everyone speak? Yes. Mm. And you're all crying. Okay. You would love it because... I don't have patience to listen You to would, though. Would I? Yes, because you have been... You can. You feel so much pride for okay. your fellow okay. Okay. That's, mates, that's your tawira. That's how you get through. And you put your little selfish fucking little yep. tonga to the side. ADHD, Chelsea. Oh, shut selfish. up. Take a pill for that. I have. I had to take two today okay. for you. <laughs> no. No, 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 I'm, no. Okay, okay. All the so things, worth it. all the meds, take all the meds. I love that. No, it's, it's fully worth it. Like, um, if that's something that's important to you. Do, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'm 2025, but I've got to um, save up next year so I can afford my mortgage when I'm doing it in 2025. And see, that's a fucked thing, eh? Like, that we have to, um, we, we become... Uh, economically strained because we are trying to retain something that yep. should have been. You should have had it from birth. I mean, look at anything overseas. Overseas, we're in countries in Europe where they speak two, three, four different languages. It's actually good for the brain. Like, I'm sorry, but when we went to school, you had the option of maybe learning French or German at high school yeah, or something. I, that. I mean, I only did it because at sixth form we got to go on a trip. Same. So I didn't do it because I wanted to learn French. Je m'appelle Annika. What? What? Thierry. Hey, all those tapes. Oh. What? What's that? Thierry. Thierry. What's your quoi? A bit. A bit. What? I can't do it. Um, are you, so you, are you happy now? Are you content? Is that what, you, or do you have that fire burning in you to do more and more and more and more and more for Cyril Māori, for Te Ao Māori, for filmmakers? Yeah. Um, I think I, yeah, probably... The desire is more than the capacity I have. So I recently got involved with distribution and um, th- theatrical spaces, cinema, yep. 
Because for me, I've always thought we're not going to have control of our story sovereignty until we participate in every single part yeah. of that filmmaking process. So producing and the production side of things, fine. A lot of us have got that down. We're really good at that. But we haven't participated in distribution or cinema. And those places have so much power. They have so much weight. Because if you want to make a film, you want to get some money from the film commission, they're not going to give it to you until you have a distributor yeah. to say, yep, I'll, I'll show your film. That distributor has so much weight and power in the room. And you imagine, who are the distributors out there? They're just, most of them are old white dudes. Mm -hmm. And most of the bigger ones here that we have to interact with are Australian owned. Okay. So how many of our stories have not been made, told or seen, because they're like this, oh, I don't really see an audience for that. I mean, that was the same reaction we were getting when we were doing our Te Reo Māori Disney stuff. The exhibitors, you know, the Hoyts and the events and the whatevers, oh, I don't know about that. Now they are amping. We have proven to them there is an audience that exists. Yep. We make you money. And as soon as you talk money and dollars... They don't get it all day, every day. They're like, when's the next one coming? When's the next one coming? Wow. We have got people going to their cinemas now during the week when they wouldn't have any, you know, people going. So it's just that classic. Um, you literally have to put it on a plate in front of people. Eh? They won't, won't believe you until you can show it to them. So for me, at the moment, it's about that, having full participation, because I'm sick of us as women, especially. I don't care what colour or ethnicity we are, but we don't have an equal level playing field in that space of mm -hmm. storytelling. Yep. And then look at the success of things like Barbie. Not that we're making a massive, you know, that type of film, but told by women, it's a woman's story, it's all the things, unapologetically having a go at the patriarchy, all the things. And it smashes the box office. We are 50% of the population. We have stories. We deserve to see them and hear them. I'm sure if you've got a story you want to tell about lilies and all the things and Lelies. vaginas, <laughs> then there'll be heaps of people that want to go and see well, it. you put it in your cinema, the, the Lele movie by right. Nicka Moore. Look at these splits. Like, <laughs> Says a cook. Yeah. <laughs> One more question. Do you believe oh, in love at first sight? Oh... Or Maybe. did you believe in love? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe? I don't know if I can answer that. Why? Uh, I don't know. I have a funny relationship with love. <laughs> well, I think the older we get, we realise <laughs> what's more important. Well, having a connection with someone who supports and trusts you and who you trust. Definitely so trust. So I don't believe in love at first sight, but I do believe in lust at first sight. Oh, and I'll talk all that for Carl. Lust for sure. We're human beings yep. with bits that react to other bits. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it there. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. And seriously, that your corridor, man, it's inspiring. Oh, thanks. That's really You're inspiring. inspiring. Thanks so much for listening to It's Personal with me, Anika Moa. A huge mahi to Chelsea Wynne Stanley for being amazing and sharing her wairua with us. Also to the team that helps make this happen, Charlotte Purdy and Vanessa Hawkin from Rogue Productions, Tim Watkin and Liz Garten from RNZ, and our audio engineers Blair Stagpool and Adrian Holley. Cole Easton Farrelly is a video editor, and thanks to Jane Joyce for graphics and Brianna Juritich for production support. 
It's Personal with Anika Moore is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Don't forget to follow so you don't miss an episode. 